I am here live on Monday, July 5th. We're not taking today off just because America had a birthday yesterday. We have important things happening in this country. Joe Biden struggled in an ice cream shop. I did some illegal stuff last night and got my neighbor in trouble with the cops. I'll address that shortly. (laughs) Sorry, neighbor. We have Russian submarines going down. Maxine Waters says July 4th is only for white people and the Indians. Apparently, there's a couple of them mad about Mount Rushmore. It's going to be a sweet day here on the Jesse Kelly Show. Let us begin with probably my favorite subject in the world. I'm trying to think. I mean, everyone knows, obviously, pretty passionate about beating up on communists. Uh, Food is clearly always close to number one. It's always hovering around number one right there, but... If I had to pick one thing I love talking about more than anything else, it'd be me. Definitely me. Definitely what, Chris? I can I can appreciate me in all that I am. But since July 4th was yesterday, and don't worry, I'm going to get to all the politics. I'm going to get to the Joe Biden stuff. Oh, gosh. And these anti-American scumbags on July 4th and what that means for the country. In fact, we're going to talk about a national divorce here in about 10 minutes. But I'm going to talk about me first. Is this my show? And, I mean, how interesting am I? Anyway, in all seriousness, I live in rural Texas. Everyone knows this. I live in rural Texas. Not a native Texan. I've lived all over the country. Born Ohio, moved to Montana when I was 10. Marine Corps from there, all over the place, all over every dump in the world. And then from there to Arizona, lived in D.C. for a year, Dallas for a year. I've been everywhere. Been everywhere. Now I live in rural Texas because it's a place that shares my values. When I tell you, If you're upset about your local politics, national politics, that you should pack up your stuff, if you're able, job-wise, family-wise, pack up your stuff and move to a place that shares your values. When I tell you to do that, understand this. I put my money where my mouth is. I moved to where I live without a job just so I could live around people who share my values and best decision I ever made. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Holding doors open for people, looking people in the eye, helping out your neighbor. No, Texans are far from perfect. They're not angels. These are my values. I moved to a place where people share those values and it's a better life. But I'm setting that story aside. Something is different about Texas. You like to think of rural Texas as being more of a freedom place, right? Blood red freedom place. And you are right, right up to a point. What do I mean? Texas has a weird thing about fireworks. There are Texas towns, rural Texas towns. I mean, 95% Republican, American flag in every driveway, red, white, and blue, guns and chewing tobacco, that kind of America. But there are towns all over who do not allow fireworks to be sold, possessed, or set off within the town limits. They just want you to go just outside of the town and set them off. Well, what that what that has brought is a bit of an interesting situation. 
Because think about the kind of people, again, who occupy a rural Texas town. Those are going to tend to be the more freedom-loving types. The kind who like to dabble in some fireworks on July 4th and maybe a couple other times throughout the year. This creates a situation that is, well, inevitable. That's a great way to describe the situation. There's a situation there that's inevitable. What do I mean by that? Everybody sets off fireworks in my town. And I mean everybody in their front yard, backyard, in the street, random fields. It sounded like Kosovo yesterday in my neighborhood. So, I mean, look, last year, again, these are illegal. These are absolutely illegal. Last year, I, of course, because I'm a God-fearing, red-blooded American, went and bought like $200 in fireworks, and no one was setting off fireworks on my street. And I just grabbed my buddy Luis and our family, and we stormed out to the middle of the road and just started cooking off fireworks, big ones all over the place. And soon, I mean, it was like I was handing out free money. Everybody in the neighborhood came flocking out of their house and setting off theirs and never saw a cop. And it was an hour and a half, two hours. And it, it, we believe me, we abused it. We cleaned up after ourselves. We paid the kids a little cheddar, and they were out there sweeping up the street and stuff. But there were so, there were some scorch marks left behind. Understand that. We probably went a little overboard last year. This was when this was during all the coronavirus stuff, and we really wanted to we really wanted to make a statement, you know, because they're all go home, hide, everyone will die, and we're like, no, no, we're going out. Now let's fast forward to this year. This year, to say the police presence in my area was elevated would be putting it mildly. If you drove through my town last night, even my neighborhood last night, you would you would seriously, unless you knew better, you would seriously think there is a serial killer who just escaped prison, and that's that's they're on the hunt for him. It was that kind of police presence. On my life, uh, let's see, I had to drive a mile to go check something out last night. I think I saw nine, nine cop cars, probably nine cop cars on the way. They're just everywhere, meaning we abused it so much last year. This year, they got enough complaints. They're going to crack down on fireworks and firecrackers. Now, we knew this yesterday morning when we woke up, but... I'm still a God-fearing, red-blooded American, and I threw the boys in the car, and I drove them down to the fireworks stand, and we got a whole boatload of fireworks again, enough to certainly take over France. (laughs) What, Chris? We can joke. Anyway, we come home with the fireworks, and you know, they're burning a hole in your pocket all day long. You have them. Once you have them in your possession, you just have to blow something up. You You have to set them off, but we hold fire. Now, yesterday evening rolls around. I'd say 7 8 o'clock. Still light out. Sun's starting to fade a little bit. We start wandering outside. And the boys are there. My buddy Luis and his kids are there. My kids are there. And we just start handing out some fire, some low-level firecrackers. You know, the little poppers where you pull the string and it pops, or the snappers, the things you throw on the ground and they just pop. And then the boys, of course, throw them on each other's feet, and then the women get mad and all that. You, everyone knows how this story plays out. Everyone's seen this a thousand times. So we're just throwing those off in the driveway, and a bunch of people are in the street doing the same, sparklers and firecrackers. And then my neighbor sets off a little bit of a bigger firecracker. 
Not a firework. Not one of the ones that shoots up in the sky, blows up, but he sets off a couple bigger firecrackers, M60s or M80s, something like that. He's Now, this is going to play an important part of our story, so I want you to pay attention here. He's across the street from me and a few houses up from me. Now, none of that means anything to you, nor should it, but here's the part that does matter. To get into our specific portion of the neighborhood, there is one way in. The one way in involves turning down a street. The end of that street is my neighbor's house, meaning anyone who turns down that street, their headlights are going to be facing my neighbor's house. Not mine. I'm on the other side of the road and a few houses down, kind of protected. He started setting off some bigger firecrackers first. To be fair, he started setting off the bigger ones first. And I thought to myself, well, If we're going to do this, let's go ahead and get this thing done here. I go inside and I get the Saturn rockets. What are the Saturn rockets, mind you? It's a box with 100 or 108, I forget what the number is, Saturn rockets. You set it on the ground and pew, 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 they all go off and explode in the sky. What happened next? Well, we had a little run-in with the law. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. Yes, I'm going to get to the politics and Biden and Maxine Waters saying only white men. That's what July 4th is about and all the other craziness out there today. But I'm talking about me first and foremost. I already told you last segment, fireworks are illegal in my town, definitely illegal in my neighborhood. Cops are absolutely everywhere. My neighbor happens to be in a spot in his house where anyone pulling onto our street is going to be facing his house. Now, I need to defend myself once again before I say what I did. Everybody was setting off something, kind of low-level firecrackers, some sparklers, things like that. Maybe not everybody, but a large portion of the neighborhood. I thought to myself, well, haven't seen any cops in a while. Why don't we take this up or notch? I go inside and grab the 100-round, I think it was 100, 100-round box of Saturn rockets. What is the 100-round box of Saturn rockets? You simply set it down in the road, light one fuse, and then all 100 of them go off at separate times. They make that fee-fee. You see, I do my own sound effects. Fee-fee sound when they come out. And when they blow up, they blow up high in the sky, and the sparks go everywhere. And yet, it's not a subtle thing. I light the fuse in the middle of the road in front of my house, run back to my house, And this bad boy starts cooking off. And almost immediately, I know this is a mistake. It's way too loud. These things are shooting up way too high. There are cops everywhere. I'm thinking to myself, oh, gosh, no. This has turned out to be bad. But the Saturn rocket finishes. No cops there quite yet. Okay? We decide, even though we have bottle rockets out there and and, and flares, we have all kinds of, we decide, let's take a breather. Let's go get some lawn chairs, crack a beer, 
Let's just hang out for a minute. That was a little louder than we'd wanted. And the box of Saturn rockets is still sitting out there in the middle of the road, even though it's empty now. My neighbor kind of waited for another minute, too. Remember, he's up the road facing the T. And then he decides he's waited long enough. He walks out to the middle of the road, takes a firecracker. I think it was an M60. It might have been an M80. Lights it on fire. And as soon as the fuse fires up, here comes the police rounding the corner, headlights facing him <laughs> as he's holding a lit firecracker in his hand. He couldn't do anything. He obviously had to drop it. What are you going to do? He just dropped it and turned and stood in his driveway. On come the lights, and here come the cops. The cops who showed up as they were talking to my neighbor and writing him a ticket, by the way, the cops who showed up and promptly told him it was all those rockets you just sent off that told us right where you were. (sighs) So I'm going to move on to politics now. I will simply pose a question to the Jesse Kelly Show audience that's here on the 5th, even though it's everybody's day off. You know I'm a sociopath and a bad person, and a a narcissist, and all these things. So I'm not good at these particular questions, which is why I'm posing the question to you. What's my moral obligation to my neighbor? I have to clarify, when I say my neighbor, I have never had an extended conversation with this person in my life. I know his name. He knows my name. That's it. So it's not like we're boys here. But he definitely got a ticket last night, and he definitely got a ticket because of me last night. Do I have any moral obligation? Chris says I owe him a six-pack of beer. I say maybe I should pay for part of the ticket, but then think about this. If I decide I want to do, quote, the right thing, and I'm not sure it is the right thing, what if I decide I do want to pay for half the ticket? That means I have to go over there and admit to him that I think it's my fault. May I wasn't the one who got busted by the cops. Let me tell you, I set off a lot of fireworks last night before and after the cops showed up. It's not like I put mine away. I never got busted. I didn't go stand in the middle of the freaking intersection with an M80 in my hand. All right, setting that aside. Maxine Waters. Let's get to let's get to the politics. Democratic California rep Maxine Waters went on an anti-America Twitter rant on Sunday. This is from DailyCaller.com. Quote, July 4th, and so, the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. Equal to what? What men? Only white men. Isn't it something that they wrote this in 1776 when African Americans were enslaved? They weren't thinking about us then, but were thinking about us now, this is also, I mean, she look, she's one of many Democratic Congresswoman Cory Book or Cory Bush also said this quote, when they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this, the freedom they're referring to is for white people. This land is stolen land and black people still aren't free. All right, let's, let's get a couple things out of the way here. First and foremost, one stolen land. Let's address that part right off the bat. Stolen land. 
every piece of ground on this earth, America included, is conquered land. Conquered land. The history of the entire world is stronger people conquering weaker people. Stronger societies conquering weaker societies. Tribal people getting steamrolled by powerful nation states who have more advanced technology and tactics. Americans on the left hate this about America, think that it somehow makes us unique, which is the most ahistorical point of view ever. It's what happened to everyone for all of time. People on the right make a mistake when it comes to this, too. They try to explain it away. Of, oh, what? No, I mean, we we, we cut some deals with them, and, and, and we gave them a reservation. Stop. All of you, stop. We came here and conquered the Native Americans, period. And you know, I, I'm an Indian freak. I love Indians. The Indian tribes are, I, I grew up loving them, reading books about them, Comanches and Lakotas and other, big fan. But they got conquered. The same way the Aborigines got conquered in, in uh, Australia, the same way virtually every tribal people got conquered in Africa, the same way the Gauls and Celts and, and Germans got conquered in France and Germany and Belgium, the same way, I mean, I guess they were kind of also Gauls or Celts, however way you want to look at it, got conquered in Britain, the same way tribal peoples were conquered all over Russia. Tribal peoples get conquered, period. Less technologically advanced societies get conquered. That's not good. It's not bad. It's simply the way it is. Hating that is like hating gravity. It's the way it is. Now, let's get to the America and black people. And America was never free kind of thing. Hang on a sec. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's get back into the nitty gritty here. Oh, I, before I forget, we have Lee Smith, one of the great authors in this country, coming up about one hour from now. Lee Smith, he has been all over the things going on around January 6th. He's been all over who is actually running the country, why they're actually running the country. He's all over the FBI and the NSA. Remember all that stuff about the NSA monitoring potentially Tucker Carlson and whatnot? Lee Smith is going to talk to us about all that an hour from now. Back to my thing about Maxine Waters and Cori Bush and all these all these scumbags on the left trashing America on Independence Day. One, remember, America was conquered the way all lands are. Two, and black people still aren't free, Cori Bush had that to say. The sitting congresswoman had that to say. Makes about 170-something grand a year. There's something bizarre that has taken place in this country, and this is not unique to any skin color or religion or ethnic group, but it is something that is pervasive in the American public, and it's something you and I have to discuss. This taking of something your ancestors went through and taking it on yourself so you get credit for it. Either hardships your ancestors went through or great things your ancestors accomplished. 
And I will never understand why people feel the need to bring that on themselves. Cori Bush, sitting congresswoman, black people still aren't free? What idiocy is that, loser? Shut up. What is that? That's such a stupid thing to say. Yes, uh, in the past, in this country, there's not really a debate about that. Black people were slaves. It was highly controversial, even in the at, at the time of our founding. Half the country hated it, half the country wanted it, and then it we were at each other's throats about it right up to the Civil War, and then fought a war to end that. So there's no question about that. That's true. That happened. But that was in the 1860s. Cory Bush wasn't there. Cory Bush never experienced it. Nothing. Cory Bush is now one of the most powerful people on the planet as a sitting member of the House of Representatives. So why this need? Why do America? And this is not unique, by the way, like I said, to black people or white people or Asians or, or Christians or Jews or Muslims. Or, this is something that has become American. Oh, this has happened to my people in the past. What about you? What are you talking about, your people in the past? What if, what happened to you? Well, but my people, though. And the, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about your great-great-grandpa. Let's talk about you. What happened to you? Well, you don't understand. No, no, I do understand. I'll tell you what I understand. We have a bunch of spoiled brat, unaccomplished losers. Because they're unaccomplished, because they haven't gone through hardship, they want the credit of going through what their grandpa actually went through. But you didn't. You didn't at all. So set this stuff aside. And let's make it really uncomfortable. Because the New York Times ran an article this weekend. I'm just going to paraphrase it because I do the best I can not to read the New York Times. But the New York Times ran an article this weekend talking about how the American flag has become divisive. Some people don't like it. It's divisive. Makes people feel left out. What's a tribe? What's a nation? What is a country? What is it? Let's let's boil this down to something simpler. What's a tribe? Because a nation is just a bigger version of that, a bigger, more advanced version of that. What's a tribe? Group of people who decide for the sake of their own protection and prosperity, they're going to live together. As one of the conditions of living together, they share common values. They share common values. You must share common values. If there's a tribe somewhere, let's let's get away from America so this becomes less personal for us. There's a tribe somewhere in uh, Antarctica. We found a tribe down there on the ice. There's a, there's a tribe in Antarctica. And they come together. There's a hundred of them. And they decide one of our common values is this. Nobody, nobody will chew with their mouth open. Every single person in this tribe, it's a common value. We chew with our mouth closed here. And then at some point in time, half the tribe decides, that's stupid. I don't like chewing with my mouth closed. I'm chewing with it open from now on. 
And yet the common values of the society said chew with your mouth closed. Do you think we're about to have a problem in that tribe? That was obviously a very small, very stupid example of why that tribe won't continue anymore and why the United States of America should get a divorce. I do not say this lightly. I would never say this lightly. I've been advocating this for years. We are not a nation that has common values anymore. We are not. And if you're on the left or the right, you can scream at the radio, yell at me. You can email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, and yell and scream. I don't care. The fact remains, we do not share common values. So if you don't share common values, why are you still living together? You don't get protection and prosperity anymore if you don't share common values and you live together. What you get is one never-ending fight. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Does that sound familiar to what we're going through here in the United States of America at all? One endless, never-ending fight? There's a reason we're at each other's throats all the time now. We don't have anything in common. I've used the example before. If a father and a mother, husband and wife, they get together, have a couple kids, and the husband wants to move out to the suburbs and get a white picket fence and hold down a nine-to-five job and play baseball on the weekends with little Timmy and eat apple pie and those things. And the wife, she wants to give the kids up for adoption and go do black tar heroin and tour the globe with a rock band. Whoever's right and whoever's wrong there, they can't be together anymore. There's no common values there. There's no meet you halfway. Well, we'll just do a little black tar heroin and then we'll eat apple pie. That's not how that works. That's where we are now as a nation. And you can blame it all on the left and that's fine. I wouldn't say you're wrong. Or if you're a Democrat, listen to my voice, you can blame it on the right. That's why I'm not even busy assigning blame right now, even though I'm as partisan as they come. You can assign blame or not assign blame. The truth is someone wants to go do black tar heroin and somebody wants a nine to five job. We can't live like this, not together. So why are we together? A nation becomes a cage match if you don't have common values anymore. If half the country thinks the American flag is divisive and a symbol of hate Why are we still living together? Why are we still doing this? Tell me. Tell me. I'm dying to know. Why stay a nation? And before you get way out ahead of yourself and say, that's ridiculous, that's the craziest thing, go look at a map of the world in the year zero and then a map of the world in the year 1,000, and then the year 1,500, nations rising, falling, breaking up into separate nations is the norm. It is the history of the world. It's not abnormal what I'm talking about. It's the most normal thing in the world. Why are we still doing this? We just had, I think the game is actually going on right now. I don't watch women's soccer, so I don't know. I just saw something about it online. They just had the Mexico is facing off against the women's team soccer match. They sing the Mexican national anthem. Every single person on the Mexican team stands there proudly. 
a 98-year-old World War II veteran came out to sing the American National Anthem, members of the American team turned their backs on it. Mexico is a country half run by narco-terrorists and they can't get clean drinking water. They love their country. Americans, we luxuriate in this gigantic pot of gold and hate the place. We can't keep going like this. Do you want to live with these people? Should you continue to live with these people? I say you should not, and I'm not done on this yet. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and it is Monday. Don't you dare think I've forgotten that it's Medal of Honor Monday today. This is the day where we honor one of our heroes by reading his Medal of Honor citation. I actually think I'll get to that in about 10 minutes from now. About 10 minutes from now. I do want to finish this up first, though. No, I don't want a civil war. I see that a lot. I see that a lot from people on the right, actually. Hear me out. I'm not going to get too somber on you. You don't want to see a civil war, man. War is uglier than you think it is. It doesn't look like it does in the movies. It doesn't smell like it does. It doesn't sound like it does. And you don't want that in your neighborhood. The last thing you should want is anybody getting hurt. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want anybody getting hurt. I simply want us to go our separate ways. What does that mean? What it's going to mean is this. Now, we're not going to get there tomorrow. I'm not not hopeful that someone's going to start running on this platform. It might be 50 years from now. Might be 20. Might be 100. I don't know. We will get there eventually. I know that. I'm worried how ugly it'll have to be before we get there, but we'll get there. Well, all it's going to take is both sides acknowledging the simple truth that I've just laid out for you right now. We don't get along. We don't have any common values, and we shouldn't live together. Now, what I'll get is, and I've had this before, people will say, Ah, Jesse, you say they're communists. They'll never let us go. That would normally be the case. Yes, but there is one reason that I am hopeful they will eventually come around and let us go. Guns. The one thing America's communists have never been able to pull off that they have to pull off in in order to put in everything they want is confiscating the guns of law-abiding citizens. They've never been able to pull it off. They just have not. So that forces their head. They can only do, they can only push so hard. They can only do so much. Let's just sit down at the table. As you've seen divorcing couples do, or maybe you've done it yourself, let's come together You bring your communist leaders, we'll bring our leaders on the right. Of course, I would be that leader on the right. What, Chris? And then I would have some people help me out with spelling and stuff. But I'll come sit down with the communist leaders. I will be a reasonable person, as everybody knows I am. And we will simply decide who gets the kids, who gets the dog, who gets the house, who gets the fine china, who gets mom's car, Who gets all of these things? That's how it has to be now. I don't take joy in that. I'm sure my email inbox is going to be full tomorrow. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm sure it's going to be full. And that's fine. I don't take joy in it. 
But I think that's where we are. We don't share common values, so all we've done is doom ourselves to fighting endlessly. Why are we, why are we living in a nation where we have to argue how many genders there are? Why do you and I have to live in that? Na- that's not, you don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that. And honestly, the people who believe there are 97 genders, they don't want to live with you and me. Right? They don't want to live with you and me. I don't want to live with you. I, I think you're insane. You probably think I'm a bigoted monster or something. That, okay, that's fine. That's fine. We can call each other all the names we want, right? But let's let's agree we shouldn't share an apartment. Should we? Why would we share an apartment? If I believe, if I believe, if I'm pro-life, and I, it's something I don't know that I've talked about on the show for a while. I just don't talk about it as much. But I am the most pro-life person in the history of mankind. I mean, way to the right of even pro-life people. Someone like Chris, producer Chris, he's not nearly as pro-life as me. So let's set him aside. But if I'm rapidly, rapidly pro-life, and I am, and you're one of these Democrats all the time who openly campaign, like bragging about how many abortions have been done, I can call you a demon, and you can say I'm a monster or whatever you can say about me. Okay, that's fine. Let's get the name calling out of the way first. If you believe in post-birth abortion, as many of the most powerful Democrats do, why are you and I living together? Why are you and I living together? There's no, there's no common ground there. We're just guaranteeing that we fight all the time in front of the kids. Why are we doing this? We don't have to do this. If I want my border secured, I believe it's a national security issue and a sovereignty issue. America is for American citizens. And if you want to become one, good for you. Come here legally, do it the right way. And I believe the border, the border should have a 900-foot wall on it with a moat. I do believe that. Like I said, I'm far right of everybody. You, you believe the border should be wide open because America kind of sucks anyway and everyone should just pour in here and wreck the place. Why are we living in the same country? Why are we doing this? There's no common ground there. We don't share any common values. And what's so funny is I'll even have my buddies on the right. I asked one of my buddies on the right one time, and he thought, he said, no, we have common values. I said, oh, really? Name one. You know what he did? He sat there like a bump on a log for 30 seconds and said, well, I mean, every everybody wants clean air. That's where we're at. Breathing is a common value. I think not. It's time to do Medal of Honor Monday, and we have some Joe Biden audio. Oh, gosh, it's going to hurt me, but I'm playing it. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I told you I'd be here in the chair on July 5th. We're not taking the day off. we got to come have some fun. Do Do we not have an obligation to have some fun? We've got some Joe Biden audio I will play for you here in just a minute. Don't forget, we have Lee Smith coming up about 25 minutes. Great columnist, great author. I don't read very many people. Uh, I've subscribed to Lee Smith. I read everything he writes. He's all over this NSA spying on citizens thing. I'm anxious to hear what Lee Smith has to say about 25 minutes from now, but first. 
as you know. I'm a bad human being. It's a bad show. We don't do anything right on this show. We do one thing all week that's worthwhile. We honor the men who've died for this country. We honor the men who have committed amazing acts of heroism and lived for this country. We do something called Medal of Honor Monday, where we pull a Medal of Honor citation and we simply read it. We read it to honor these men. We read it to honor their deeds. We read it because our culture needs to be completely turned around where these men are the people you know, our children look up to. That's why we do Medal of Honor Monday. I have done this one before. It's one of the great Medal of Honor citations of all time. The reason I chose to do it again tonight is his birthdays, two days from now. So allow us to do the Medal of Honor citation, buckle up for this one, of one Benjamin Salomon. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, Captain Ben L. Salomon was serving at Saipan in the Mariana Islands on July 7, 1944. As a surgeon of the 2nd Battalion, 105th Infantry Regiment, 27th Infantry Division, the regiment's 1st and 2nd Battalions were attacked by an overwhelming force estimated to be three and 5,000 Japanese soldiers. Let me take a brief pause here. I rarely do this. Let me take just a very brief pause. On Saipan, for those unaware of how that battle went, we had fought and won most of the island. They were down to about 5,000 troops left. And in what had to be the scariest thing of all time, the Japanese essentially decided to do a 5,000-man counterattack where, where, which is just a big bonsai charge. Most of them were out of ammo, and they just charged, and they actually penetrated American lines because there's no way to stop a human wave like that, and it, it, it killed a lot of Americans, and that is what's going on here in this story. Anyway, it was one of the largest attacks attempted in the Pacific Theater during World War II. Although both units fought furiously, the enemy soon penetrated the battalion's combined perimeter and inflicted overwhelming casualties. In the first minute of the attack, approximately 30 wounded soldiers walked or crawled or were carried into Captain Salomon's aid station and the small tent soon filled with wounded men. As the perimeter began to be overrun, it became increasingly difficult for Captain Salomon to work on the wounded. He then saw a Japanese soldier bayoneting one of the wounded soldiers lying near the tent. Firing from a squatting position, Captain Salomon quickly killed the enemy soldier. Then, as he turned his attention back to the wounded, two more Japanese soldiers appeared in the front of the tent. As these enemy soldiers were killed, four more crawled under the tent walls. Rushing them, Captain Solomon kicked the knife out of the hand of one, shot another, and bayoneted a third. Captain Solomon butted the fourth enemy in the stomach, and a wounded comrade then shot and killed the enemy soldier. Realizing the gravity of the situation, Captain Solomon ordered the wounded to make their way as best they could back to the regimental aid station while he attempted to hold off the enemy until they were clear. Captain Solomon then grabbed the rifle from one of the wounded and rushed out of the tent. After four men were killed while manning a machine gun, Captain Solomon took control of it. When his body was later found... 98 dead enemy soldiers were piled in front of his position. 
Captain Solomon's extraordinary heroism and devotion to duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his unit, and the United States Army. A doctor. A doctor who's apparently born to end lives. That's who you want to be, kids. That's who you want to be. And look, full disclosure, as I've told you before, as you know, I'm a bad dad too. I read this stuff to my kids and I tell them, that's the man you want to be. Obviously, nobody wants to have to bury their sons. I'm not even sure if I want my kids to join the military with the way it's going right now, but that's the kind of guy you become, son. You become the man. Everyone else go. I'll stay behind with a machine gun and stack bodies like cordwood and give my life so you can live. That is who you want to be. Now, let's get to Joe Biden. I almost, Chris and I had a, had a discussion about whether or not we even wanted to play this audio for you. And here's why. Here's, here's, let me set up the situation. Right now, the system, you know, the media, Hollywood, all these other people, they've decided on one very specific piece of propaganda when it comes to Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden's presidency, by any measure, and I mean by any measure, is a complete disaster. Economically, gas prices, inflation, foreign policy, southern border. I don't care, Democrat, Republican. There is no defense of Joe Biden's presidency right now. It is an unmitigated disaster. And add in the fact that Joe Biden is a half-functioning adult at best, and everybody knows it. So they've decided on one piece of propaganda, and that's Joe Biden and ice cream. Joe Biden has decided he's going to tour the country everywhere he goes, He's going to stop and get ice cream. The media has decided they're going to cover this and they're going to gleefully report on the kind of ice cream Joe Biden orders everywhere he goes. Kind of one of those, oh, don't worry about that. Everything's on fire. How's the Rocky Road, Joe? One of those things. Well, it must look, it must be a July miracle because we have a reporter asking Joe Biden a different question this time at the ice cream shop. Two reasons we almost didn't play this. One, it's long, and I'm going to have to pause it and explain something to you at one point in time. It's long. Two, it is it is, it is physically painful. This man is the president of the United States of America. And just a heads up, before I, before I play this, when I tell you I'm going to pause it, the reason I'm going to pause it is... At one point, and you may even be able to hear it, but I don't think so, Joe Biden, as he's trying to figure out the answer to the one real question he got, reaches in his coat pocket and pulls out a note card with the talking points he's been given by his staff. If you haven't seen the video, we will put it up on the show's Twitter page, at Jesse Kelly Show. It is, ugh, it's jaw-dropping. Anyway, here's your president. Let me know if I can answer your question. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right now, sir? Yeah. Uh, with the most recent hack by the Russians, would you say that this this means We're not that... sure it's the Russians. Okay. With I, spot, most... gotten, okay. I got a brief on the, as I was on the plane. That's why I was late getting off the plane. I got a brief and... Uh, would you like your receipt? Do you know who it might be, sir? Uh, I'll be in better shape... Pause. 
This is the point in time when he's pulling, you can hear it, he's pulling the notes out of his jacket to read to the reporter an answer. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. I'll tell you what they sent me, okay? Uh, that uh, The idea, first of all, we're not sure who it is for certain, number one. And what I did, I directed the full resources of the, of the government to assist in a response if we determine what else you need. Oh, nothing. You're all set. Okay. And, um, oh, you're all set. Good job, Joe. You get a gold star today. All those pauses. No idea what he's talking about. That person is the commander in chief, and he has a really, really, really important role to play in this society. We can't continue on like this. All right, that's enough of that. Speaking of not being able to continue on like this, our debt is $28 trillion. $28 trillion. No nation can withstand debt like that. What do you know is going to happen? I mean, look, there's all, I'm, 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 I'm no investing expert. There's all kinds of uncertainty. I can't tell you to buy this stock or that stock, but I can tell you this. Inflation is going to continue to go up. Because you can't print unbacked currency like that. Gold and silver have always had significant value long before there was an America. Gold and silver had value. Get your hands on some. Diversify yourself. Oxford Gold Group, they do something special. They put real gold and silver in your hands. Real gold and silver. Not a piece of paper. I mean gold you can hold. Call 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse sent you. Again, this is not a piece of paper from Oxford Gold Group. Oxford Gold Group gives you gold you can hold. 833-995-GOLD. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. I'm I'm, uh, I'm bloated. I'm sweaty. Uh, I just just want to lay down and have have some water. (laughs) That was the great Joey Chestnut winning a hot dog eating contest by taking down 76 wieners and buns this weekend. (laughs) He's feeling a little bloated. I can certainly understand that. All right, before I get to Lee Smith here in about 10 minutes from now, I have to get to a Russian submarine. We have Biden allies working with the communists. And, fellas, why you need to be careful about your next lady, let's get to some emails. You can email the show anything you want. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All your emails go right to Chris. He prints them all off for me. I read them. I will not respond. I get way, way, way too many. You're just going to have to deal with that. Your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Fridays. Those are all welcome on the Jesse Kelly Show. This one's Jesse. This one is Jesse is the closest media host to the late, great Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) Probably tap the brakes a little bit there. He is irreverent to the political garbage spewed from D.C., Jesse fills Rush Limbaugh's radio shoes better than anyone. Again, hold up on that. God bless you all. Please thank Jesse and Jewish producer Chris for the laughs. They are much needed today. 
If Jesse's most handsome face read this, reads this, you could use my name. The two weeks he were awa- was away were the longest of my life. <laughs> Her name's Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate the kind words. I don't know about all that rush stuff. This one's titled, Dear Oracle, I was wondering if you could help me decide how much appearance matters. I was raised in a house where tattoos and ear piercings would be performed by dad, and nobody wanted that. But in this new world, there are people to- like Tom McDonald who are great on thought but crazy on appearance. Should parents push these individuals onto their kids to inspire them even though they look like a first grader's art project partner? <laughs> you can use my name. He says his friend is Justin. All right, uh, this Tom McDonald guy, I- I've seen pictures of him. It's just you know crazy hair, all tatted up, things like that. Does appearance matter? All right. Let's have a chat, kids. I am not one of these long hair tattoo people. Now, none of that was allowed in my house. My dad openly said on several occasions, if you ever come home with an earring in your ear, I will rip it out of your skull. And my dad, my dad meant it. And my dad meant it all the way. And so, and this was during that period of time. I mean, I was born in 81. This is that period of time where the earrings on dudes were starting to become, quote, cool, right? Because all the rock bands had them. Again, Guns and Roses and Def Leppard. Who didn't want to be like those guys? Look at all the chicks they got. I must want an ear. And so, but it just wasn't an option, so I didn't do it. Tattoos were never really discussed. I won't say they were outright banned, but they were never really discussed. I have nothing against tattoos. A couple times in the Marine Corps, maybe a little bit late at night, but a couple times in the Marine Corps, I would go to a tattoo parlor with my buddies who were getting them, and I would consider it, and I would even, I even on more than one occasion had one picked out. I just didn't do it because the permanence of it always freaked me out. That just this is going to be on my body forever. I'm really going to put something on my body forever. Now, that's not a judgment. I don't care if you're painted head to toe. Plus, tattoos on chicks can just absolutely look smoking hot. So I'm not judging tattoos. Well, in the proper proportion, I should say. If, look, if you have a spider web tattooed across your nose, we're probably not going to get together. But tattoos on chicks can look hot. So I'm not judging either. Not earrings, not tattoos, not anything. And there's no judgment here. And I would tell you if I did. However. I am going to judge this. If you choose to get a tattoo on your neck or above, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're an idiot. I'm not saying any of that. I would never say any of that because I'm worse than all of you. What I am saying is this. In an effort to express yourself or whatever it is you're doing, and that's fine. In an effort to express yourself, you are making a conscious decision to eliminate yourself from contention for certain jobs. Now, maybe that doesn't matter to you, and that's fine, too. I can't stress this enough. That is fine. It's not like I'm looking down on you. But when you decide, you know, I really need a skull and crossbones on my neck. Okay. Okay. Do you enjoy being a barista? I hope so. Now, that, that's probably a little bit mean, but 
Are you ever going to sit in the corporate boardroom of a Fortune 500 company that you didn't start? Probably not. People make hiring and firing decisions based on appearance all the time. All the time. They don't tell you about it. I've been in those rooms. I've been in those rooms with the boss. I've been the boss making those decisions. And I'm telling you, applications for whatever. We're watching you when you get out of your car in the parking lot and there are judgments made about you before you walk in the door. I'm not saying you have to be Adonis or some dime, but you get out of your car and you look like a slob, like you just slept in your clothes for four or five days. I've made judgments about you before you hit my door. If you're a lady and you show up for a job interview, and by the way, dress, doll yourself up, look good, please. If you show up for a job interview showing four inches of cleavage, I'm not sure if you're going to work here. That's no judgment on four inches of cleavage, by all means. It's yours. Do what you want with it. Pays to advertise. I don't care. I'm not here judging. But I'm telling you how life really works is people are going to make judgments based on appearance. I will tell you what I will tell my sons. It's your body. It's your life. Once you're eight, you won't get anything while you're under my roof. Once you're 18, go get what you want. I'm not judging you. If you choose to get a tattoo out of these specific areas, you are one, getting that tattoo you want, but two, you are absolutely making a conscious decision to limit your employment prospects. I, look, look. You better follow dad's footsteps and be uh, either in construction, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know there's no judgment here. That's what I did forever. Or, shoot, you better be a radio host. You ain't going to be on TV. I guarantee that. Speaking of radio hosts, before we get to Lee Smith, I told you I was going to do a once-a-week history podcast. That dropped today. We did a history podcast on the Battle of Kursk. Kursk, I'm sorry. And may I just say I was magnificent. But it's, it's out there today on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Now, we have Lee Smith coming up here in just a minute. The NSA, the FBI, are they, are they really spying on us? Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and it is my pleasure now to welcome in my friend Lee Smith. Lee Smith's the author of the book, The Permanent Coup, also writes for Tablet, Epic Times. Lee, how much is the government spying on us? First, I just have to say the Jesse Kelly show is the best ever. I was just talking to your producer. I have my. This is the only place in the world I have my own walk on my own walk on music. <laughs> Fantastic! It's you a policy. Happy. It's a policy we put in a long time ago that Amazing. the guest gets to choose his own music. So you chose Cashmere. Take it away, my friend. Naturally, naturally. Um, yeah, how much is the government spying on us? Uh, I, I think if you are. Look, I, what I'll call the opposition, and 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 I'll say, Jesse, that you are you are one of the leading voices of the opposition. The uh, government agencies are looking very closely at the opposition, and I believe that we are we are an opposition movement, an opposition to uh, to, to what is amounting to the American oligarchy uh, collection of corporate and political, as well as uh, as well as cultural interests. So, yeah, I think they're paying attention very closely. And the news last week that they were 
um, that Tucker Carlson broke that the NSA was looking at his monitoring his electric communications. They were doing the same to the Trump campaign. There should be nothing surprising right now. They'd be looking at the, the right now. Tucker is the leader of the opposition, I think. Lee, OK, let's just assume for a moment and uh, you're generally yeah. correct on pretty much all this stuff. So let's assume you're right. And they're spying. Let's say they're spying on Lee Smith because they probably are. What yeah. does that mean? To what extent do you think that goes? Are they, they have your phones tapped? They're reading your text messages, your emails? Or, or do they check in once a week and make sure you're not starting an insurrection? What does it look yeah. like for the average American? Well, I think what it looks like, well, I mean, look, the problem is, is that the National Security Agency collects everyone's communications. So they're, they're, they'll pick out different, they'll pick out different people and come up with different reasons. Look, I mean, right now, the, 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 the big problem for, for our guys, for the opposition is the people who are being caught up in the, you know, the nonsensical insurrection dragnet. Now, the, these, these, uh, I mean, these guys are on their own. I mean, they've got public defenders. They're barely getting any support on, on, on our side. Uh, they're barely getting any support on, on our side because people are afraid to walk into it to defend these people who are accused of insurrection and sedition, right? This absolute nonsense. But that's what our government agencies are doing. And so those are the people right now, I think, just like it was Donald Trump and the Trump circle who were exposed during 2016. Through 2020, starting on January 6th, the people who really started to get exposed were Trump supporters. So, yeah, I, I think we're in a dangerous phase. Lee, I, I, in my opinion, this is, and I've said this repeatedly, this is the most yeah. dangerous of all the situations we face, is all the government enforcement arms becoming enforcement arms for the left against the right. right. Are people right. in power on the right, and I mean elected people, are they aware of this? And don't give me the occasional congressional hearing, because that apparently always doesn't ever go anywhere. Are they aware yeah. of how bad this can be? Do you mean are people on the left aware? Uh, on of the how right. Bad this can be or on the right? Yeah. Um, I, look, I, I mean, <laughs> given that government agencies are spying on Americans, I mean, this this goes back to Hoover's days. I mean, these guys are are, are presumably collecting on everyone on Capitol Hill. This is one reason, I think, why you find so few people who are willing to take on the FBI in spite of their, in spite of their, in their viciousness, um, their un-American activities. This is one reason why people on the right are scared to take them on. Look at how many people who are – look at how many journalists, investigative reporters who are working on the January 6th show. I mean, there's Julie Kelly, who is great. There's Darren Beatty at Revolver News. We don't have a lot of we don't even have a lot of people looking at this at this incredible uh, this incredible abuse of the justice system. So, no, I think that a lot of people are I think a lot of people are, are a lot of the intellectual and political thought leaders on our side are scared. And that's a that's a terrible disservice to that's a terrible disservice to the base. We have to speak out on behalf of them, because in lots of ways, these are the people we're getting they're getting the Roger Stone uh, knock on the door right early in the morning you know 20 F, 20 uh, 20 FBI agents holding weapons on them so we need to stick up for we need to stick up for our side our people if the political leadership won't do it then you know then we'll, we should be doing it anyway but but that's something where we definitely have to step step up
Lee, can we rely at all in any way on states, like red states? I, I tell people all the time to move to an area where you can be at yeah. least protected in some way by the force of the law. Can, does that help? Mm-hmm. Does everyone need to move to Florida or Texas or something like that? Or does, does that help, or is that just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? No, I think I, uh, I, you know, I think that you and I have, have spoken a bit about this before. I think right now that's the immediate move. Go to where you can build a defensible position and where you are around people you trust and love. Um, I, I think that's the first move right now. <laughs> there's, there's probably other moves that will be, you know, that, that, that we'll have to try out. But I think that's the important thing right now. Know your neighbors. Love your neighbors. Go to, you know, meet them on the, meet them on the softball field. Meet them in church. Meet them at the bowling alley. Uh, I, so I think that's the most I think that's the most important thing right now. Yeah, go back to your communities. Make sure your community is strong, both uh, in spiritual terms and in physical terms. I mean, these are these are desperate and you know, these are desperate times. Lee, let's say I decide this can be fixed. I, I, this is not beyond yeah. repair. America can fix itself. The system is not corrupted beyond being fixable. Mm-hmm. How does that look? What's step one to getting us good at heading back in the right direction? You know, and don't tell oh. me elect Republicans. We just had one, and Trump didn't yeah, do yeah. anything about yeah. the deep state. Nothing. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I don't think there's a way to head back right now. Uh. I think that we're kind of in, uh, how, to, how to put it, we're sort of in an interregnum. I, I, I recommend, I mean, if, you're, if your listeners haven't checked it out yet, an article by Angelo Cotevilla uh, I guess it was last week or, or, or the week before where he's talking about, look, what it comes down to right now is refounding the republic. And that can be a lot trickier and a lot more difficult than founding a country. So I think right now the idea of going back, no, no, we're, we're too far. We're too far gone. I'm not saying that that will, uh, that that will necessarily uh, entail live violence. I don't know exactly what it will entail, but the idea that we're going to go back to something that uh, something that existed as late as the 80s, um, maybe a little later than that. Yeah, we're too far gone for that. But there's enough people on our side. There's enough people who understand what's happening. There's enough people who care and they do care about living as a free people and what was founded as a free country. But, and so, yeah, we, know, we cannot assume anymore that this country is a constitutional republic, and so our thoughts cannot follow the logic of a constitutional republic. Something else is going on here. Speaking with Lee Smith, author of The Permanent Coup. All right, Lee, lastly, what did you have for dinner tonight? Yeah. Uh, we had Chinese food. What kind? Um, you know, I'm not that big at Chinese food, but my wife is a, is a big Chinese food fan. And, you know, we're living, um, we're living in the Charleston area, so there's not, it's not like you're living in, um, in Chinatown, in Manhattan, close to where I used to live. So the, the pickings are a little rare. Um, but, yeah, it was enjoyable. We saw friends, had a nice time. Charleston's a great city, great people. South Carolina's a great state. Yeah, Charleston might very well be my favorite city in the entire United States of America. I visit every chance I get. Lee Smith, come, author come of the to visit. Oh, I'm, oh, when I come, we're breaking bread, my brother. Lee Smith, all author right. of the permanent coup. Read all his stuff. Thank you, man. Thank you, Jesse. Have a good night. Same situation in my house, Chris. The wife loves Chinese food. 
I don't dislike it at all. I won't be painted as being anti-Chinese food, but it's it's okay. I'm a once every six months guy. I'll hammer down some egg rolls and, and some lo mein or something like that. Don't hold up your hands like that. What's wrong with egg rolls? Are egg rolls really Chinese food? Well, I don't know. I never dug into the history of it. I, I'm assuming they're Chinese food. Well, either way, I think Chinese food may be more of a woman thing. All right, we have to address the elephant in the room again. I got my neighbor in trouble with the cops. What's my obligation to him? Let's talk about that. Hang on. The Talk Radio Revolution. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I told you we would be here having fun on the 5th. Headline from the Epic Times, January 6th detainees confined 23 hours a day, attorneys say. Dozens detained in federal prison await trial following the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol building are being subject to solitary confinement, lack of required medical care, and restricted access to defense counsel, according to two attorneys. Of the close to 500 arrests made so far in connection with January 6th, lawyers John Pierce and Steve Metcalf II, who represent several of the defenders, said that some are being uh, pretrial confinement, 23 hours a day, it's unconstitutional, so on and so forth. Okay, quick thing. Steve Metcalf II. I've always kind of wanted to be a second or a third. Don't you think that's kind of cool, Chris? I always thought that was kind of cool. I am I am Jesse Kelly the third. You know what? Who says I can't add that to my name anyway? What, Chris? What? I can add that to my name. Remind me after the show to look into what the legal proceedings are to add. I can add anything I want to my name, Chris. It's my name. That's one. Two. Isn't it amazing how these people are being treated? And I, I look, I don't expect you to know any of these people. I don't expect you to care, but here's what I do expect you to care about. And I'll get to my fireworks story here in a second. Here's what I do expect you to care about. The United States government is doing everything in their power to intimidate, not them, you, you, whatever else happened on January 6th. And look, it's not like that was a day to celebrate. It was an ugly, stupid day, but whatever else happened on that day, They decided they were going to use that day as an excuse to destroy you. Not these people, you. They're going to throw the book at these people. They're not doing it just to get back at these people. They're doing this just so you never step out of line again because look what happened to these people. Think about this. Think about this. There are a bunch of people who went into the Capitol on that day. Now, we know this now. Of course, you couldn't get that information then, but we know this now. There are a bunch of people who went into the Capitol that day, wandered on in, spoke with a police officer on the way in, and thought they were allowed to be there. Thought they were allowed to be there. Imagine showing up at the Capitol to protest, thinking you're being allowed inside Capitol Hill And how long ago was January 6th, Chris? That's about, oh, six months. Wait a minute, January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah, six months. 
Shut up, Chris. Sometimes I get confused on months of the year. We didn't go over that at Pima Community College. We're not talking about that right now anyway. Six months in the federal clink for wandering onto the Capitol steps. Meanwhile, Antifa and Black Lives Matter dirt balls are getting turned loose with no charges pressed all over the country. Speaking of national divorce, which I brought up earlier in the show, this is one of the main reasons why I think it has to happen. Let's face it here. We have two different justice departments now. We have two different justice systems now. Justice is blind and all that. If you're a Democrat, if you're in the in club, well, the entire federal government agrees with you. Your local DA probably agrees with you because Democrats went after all the DA seats. Hollywood agrees with you. The education system agrees with you. Music agrees with you. Sports agree with you. Corporate America agrees with you. Let's be honest. You're not going to be held accountable the same way anyone on the right is. People on the right now, they are the counterculture. You are the counterculture now. You are the rebel now. And as such, we need to start changing our mentality and understanding that. That's why when I say we need a national divorce, that's what I mean. You just heard me stock, or talk to Lee Smith 10 minutes ago. In case you missed that, catch that on the podcast. That was a good interview if I say so myself. But anyway, iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. If you missed it, catch it. We have, we have two different justice systems. You need to get somewhere, if you're able to, you need to get somewhere where you and your family can be protected. I brought this up on Friday's show. That guy, the Army veteran from Afghanistan, who went into Austin, he was in his car, and he gets his car mobbed by Antifa guys. And one of the Antifa guys is carrying an AK-47, points it at the driver. The driver then pulls out a pistol and kills the guy with the AK-47. Because it's in Austin, and Austin is basically San Francisco, it just happens to be in Texas, That guy just had to put up 300K in bail, and he's on trial for murder. Murder. Maybe it's time for us to reside in places where the entire force of the law is not against us. Look, I'll be honest with you now. FBI ever comes knocking on my door? And let's be honest, there's a good chance they will, especially after the fireworks incident last night. But FBI ever comes knocking on my door? I ain't talking without a lawyer. So many of these people who are locked up still started talking to the FBI without lawyers. Don't do that. The FBI is not your friend. Don't do that. Maybe they were. They're not anymore. They've asked the current FBI director several times what the greatest threat is. He thinks it's you. He didn't say Al-Qaeda. He didn't say Antifa. He didn't say Black Lives Matter. He thinks the greatest threat to this country is you. They all think that, and they're treating you like that. All right, we have one hour left. I have to talk about getting my neighbor in in trouble with the cops. Hang on. Jesse Kelly show final hour. Don't don't think 
for a second I've forgotten about this Russian sh- Russian submarine. I about called it a Russian ship, but wait, is a submarine a ship, Chris? Does it count as a ship? I was in the Marines, not the Navy. I don't know whether it counts as a ship or not. Whatever. I'm going to get to the Russian submarine story in just a moment. I'm going to get to the fellas. Be careful about which lady you choose story. But hang on. All that's going to have to wait. I have to recap this for people who missed it. (coughs) Got my neighbor in trouble with the cops. What is my obligation to my neighbor? How did I get my neighbor in trouble with the cops? Well, I'm not going to rehash the whole story. I told it at the beginning of the show. You can catch the whole show podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes if you missed it. But my neighbor, our fireworks are illegal in our town. Everyone sets them off anyway. You just have to be a little careful when you're setting them off because the cops are out in full force hunting people setting them off. I probably wasn't as careful as I should have been and set off one that was way too big and loud. Cops start making their way to my area in time to catch my neighbor setting off a firecracker and not catch me. Do I owe him for the ticket he got from the cops? And if so, how much? I say a six pack of beer. I've had people emailing in saying I owe 100% of the ticket. I've had people emailing in saying I owe half. I'm curious what I owe. Look, the bottom line is I was being a good parent and teaching my kids how to get away from the cops. Gosh. (laughs) All right. I saw this. This Russian submarine was built to kill aircraft carriers. It accidentally sank itself. Service on board a submarine is certainly not for everybody, with such an assignment requiring extended periods of time spent on board a cramped, submerged, windowless vessel. What is more, service on a submarine can come with significant risk. Any small mistake or a freak accident that would be problematic for a surface vessel vessel, can be potentially catastrophic for a submarine operating underwater. By the way, this is 1945.com. No incident better captures this reality than the freak sinking of a Russian submarine at the turn of the century. Pause. Let's talk about me. I was on a submarine one time. Now, it was not a modern-day submarine. I'm 6'8", 230. I, didn't, I don't fit on modern-day submarines or old ones. But in Charleston, we actually just talked to Lee Smith. He lives in Charleston. They have a huge aircraft carrier called, I believe it's called the Yorktown. Now, this is pre-COVID last time I went, but I would highly recommend it because they let you inside it. And when I say let you inside it, I don't mean let you poke your head in a room. When I went, they let you throughout the ship. Like, you could get lost several stories down. You could go see where they got their dental work done. It was so cool. So cool. But paired with the Yorktown is a World War II-era submarine. You can also tour that. Now, I don't have a ton of phobias. I have some. I'm not a huge heights fan, but they made us do so much stuff like rappelling off cliffs and stuff like that in the Marine Corps that, I I mean, it's certainly not paralyzing. If I have to do like a zip lining with my son or trying to teach him how to rock climb, I'm not that comfortable, but I'm not showing it. I'm just not a fan of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay. When it comes to tight spaces, like where I can't move or my chest is touching something, 
not that thrilled about that. I went down in this submarine and there were places there were places where I could not get down the hall walking straight. Now I have fairly wide shoulders but not not exaggerating, I would have to turn sideways to walk down the hall in a hot windowless submarine. I that would be a no for me. An absolute not for me. And I had a gosh, what was it? I think there's I see I, li- I listen to a lot of different podcasts and stuff because I'm a nerd when it comes to history. I think there the the podcast is called Warriors in Their Own Words. I'm almost positive they don't make it anymore. I think it was a little mini series, but you're welcome to seek it out. There was one I think it was a German U-boat submariner. They interviewed him. That's the thing. They're interviewing these guys, Vietnam veterans and World War II veterans, you know, Marine Raiders in the Pacific, that kind of thing. They found one of these World War II guys, and he was talking about, I think it's on there. Sorry if I'm misattributing that, but I don't do research for the show. He was talking about what makes a submarine different, and they referenced it briefly in this article. One screw up, and it's over. One Screw up, and it's over. If you get hit, they drop those depth charges off the side of the ships trying to blow up the submarines. And actually, it doesn't matter, I learned, if the depth charge hits above the submarine in any way. It'll be loud. It may do so, but it's not going to hurt it because of the way the charge works. The charge is seeking out the path of least resistance, which is always up because there's less pressure up. But if you get one underneath you, it's over. And... The way he was describing it, it was freaky even hearing him describe it. It's not like you take one hit and you're like, oh, that's bad. We better be careful. You take one and it's over. Yeah, you're underneath the water. You take one hit, one serious hit. You're all gone like that. Submarines are a no-go for me. Anyway, back to this one. It's called the Oscar class. Prior to the dissolution of the Soviet Union, the Soviet military spent considerable effort trying to devise effective counters for the threat posed by the United States Navy's aircraft carriers, whose range, versatility, and onboard armament made them a significant threat to the Soviet military. So what they did was they came up essentially with these Oscar-class submarines. Now, the problem is maintaining them. You see, one thing we lose sight of And it's easy to lose sight of it because you don't think about it unless you've ever been on a submarine. One thing you lose sight of, if an aircraft carrier has a problem, even has an explosion, a fire, you know, something really bad, they're probably going to be okay. Or even if the ship is going down, as long as it's not wartime and you're getting repeatedly hit, you're probably going to get in the lifeboats and get on the radio and hang on for a couple days, boys. Help's on the way and you'll be fine. In a submarine, one mistake like that, and you're all dead. When your submarine, quote, breaks down, oops, forgot to replace the oil, you're all dead now. Dead now. Speaking of Russia, this is from Yahoo.com. Massive ransomware attack may impact thousands of victims. Just weeks after President Joe Biden implored Vladimir Putin to curb cybercrime, a notorious 
Russia-linked ransomware gang has been accused of pulling off an audacious attack on the global software supply chain. Revel or Revel, the R-E is capitalized, and then the V-I-L is, I don't know, they're hackers. I'm not a computer nerd. I don't know what they're saying. Revel, the group blamed for the May 30th ransomware attack on the meatpacking giant JBSSA, is believed to be behind the hacks on at least 20 managed service providers who provide IT services to small and medium businesses. That's more than a thousand businesses who've already been hit. Why? Why would Vladimir Putin do this? I mean, he was just warned by the president of the United States. He just sat down with Joe Biden and Joe Biden, you know, remember Joe Biden came out and told us this better stop. This better stop. Well, let me tell you something. If you're Vladimir Putin and you sit down with this man, are you intimidated? Uh, I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. I'll tell you what they sent me. Okay. Uh, that, uh, the idea, first of all, what do you think, Vladimir? Honestly, you have to try to put yourself in the eyes of your enemy. What do you think a man like Vladimir Putin, clearly a type A personality, clearly somebody who wants to gobble up as much power and resources during his life as possible. He's one of those types, one of those Stalin Mao types, no question about it. What do you think Vladimir Putin thinks when he sits down with Joe Biden? Let's have a frank conversation about that. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm going to get back to Biden and Putin here in just a second because we have to talk about this. But first, don't forget, leave a review when you go download the show. If you're on iTunes... Leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. These are some of the recent ones. Man, do they nail it. This one's titled Sombrero Steel Kelly. In case you're not aware, I have a few nicknames. I've given myself all of them because who knows me better than me. One of them is Sombrero Jesse. That's because not only do I wear a sombrero on Cinco de Mayo, as you're supposed to do, but... It's because Billy the Kid's criminal mentor was a man named Sombrero Jack, and I thought that was really cool. That's one. Two, Steel, it's a middle name I've decided to give myself. So sometimes I go to go by J. Steel Kelly because I think it really captures my persona, Chris. What, Chris? Anyway, Sombrero Steel Kelly. Jesse Kelly has one of the best radio shows on the air. I could listen to his godly voice all day. He may be overqualified with his three years of community college. That's actually not true. It's almost three years. I had to I had to drop out. There were some complications. Anyway, but thank God he doesn't write books. I don't think anyone can read that much crayon. That's not very nice. Love the new show. Rock on, brother. He says his name is Dakota. This one's titled Politics, Food, and God-Tier Looks. I thought I was a man until I was exposed to this handsome, sombrero-wearing, highly educated oracle. How could I ever measure up to Dr. Jesse Steele Kelly, MD, PhD, and OPP? Chris, what's OPP? 
And shout out to Chris. Welcome back, Jesse. I'm hoping to hear that Friday song again. <laughs> I thought you. All right. Personal meetings matter a lot. They matter more than you or I want them to matter. Business deals. Business deals, it's not something from the movies. Business deals are done on the golf course. Business deals are done. They're done over a glass of bourbon in a steakhouse somewhere. That's where business deals are done. It's one of the reasons, I've told you before, it's one of the reasons I make sure my sons know how to golf. I have them in very, very low-level golf lessons, and I teach them every chance I get. No, they're never going to be good golfers. My kids are not athletes. They have to be able to function on the golf course. I believe it is a necessary life skill for men and women. Why? Well, I will tell you multiple times it has happened to me in my life. Some guy who has the ability to promote you, fire you, or has a potential job you want says, Hey, Jesse, we're playing nine holes at 10 a.m. on Saturday. You want to come join? we got an open spot on our foursome. And never once have I had to say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, Bob. I, I don't know how to golf. No, you don't have to be good. You have to know how to do it because face-to-face matters. When Vladimir Putin sits down with Joe Biden and Joe Biden shows Vladimir Putin to his face that he's a half-functional adult, Vladimir Putin does not think that Joe Biden will do anything in response to these ransomware attacks. And don't kid yourself. Just because this is a, quote, private group, no private hacker group is attacking the critical infrastructure of the United States of America from within the borders of Russia without Vladimir Putin's approval. Why? Because this is Vladimir Putin we're talking about here That's how you don't wake up the next day. You've heard that story about Putin and the oligarchs, right? There's a great book out there. Once Upon a Time in Russia. Once Upon a Time in Russia is the name of the book. Would highly recommend it. If the author happens to be some communist or something like that, don't yell at me. I'm not selling my friend's book here. I've never met the guy. I don't know anything about the guy, but I know I read the book and it's great. It's a fascinating book about how Russia transitioned from being communist to trying to be capitalist, and it turned into a total disaster. It ended up with just a bunch of oligarchs that owned every bit of the country. So you had you know, a few guys on the top turning into the wealthiest guys in the world as they took over all the industries that had formerly been run by the government. That's, that's the gist of the story. Well, there's a great scene in the book, and I'm going to mess some of this up because it's been years since I read the book. There's a great scene in the book about Vladimir Putin getting elected the first time, and he calls all these billionaires out to some secret meeting at some secret military bunker, and Putin has all these gigantic, scary KGB Spetsnaz types, I mean, total Russian stereotypes, scars on their faces and all that around him. So these guys know I'm not in a safe place. And Putin simply calls all these oligarchs around and says, you were running things before. I'm running things now. I'll let you keep some of what you have, but you're going to do what I say when I say it. And I've got a big stick and I'm only going to have to swing it once. 
and it wasn't long after that. It wasn't long after that. These oligarchs started getting found on their yachts, hanging from the shower rod. He's having these guys murdered in hotel rooms across the globe. That's the kind of man we're dealing with here. We are dealing with a killer. Vladimir Putin is a killer. Russia's capability militarily. No, it's not ours. I'm not not saying that. Would never say that. But they are very, very capable of putting real pain on us and very capable of flat out dominating most other countries in the world. When Joe Biden sits with Vladimir Putin, a predator, a human predator, and Joe Biden gives him the, oh, I don't I can't think right now. Come on, man. That may work on the American public. That may work on the American media. When Vladimir Putin walks out of a meeting like that with Joe Biden, I can almost see his mouth watering, thinking to himself, oh, oh, this is going to go just fine. I can do whatever I want. Why would Vladimir Putin stop these ransomware attacks on our critical infrastructure? One, they're hurting us. Two, what have we done in response to these so far? Nothing. Not a single thing. In fact, we've extended a hand to Russia. That's the kind of situation we're in. And the problem is, this thing can manifest itself in darker ways. What if the next ransomware attack? What if it's on one of our power grids? What if it's even 24 hours long? Do you have any idea how many people would die if we lost power for 24 hours? And these people have this capability like that. And we have a president who's a doddering old fool. All right, we're going to talk about British royalty. Not that I care. Hang on. You became an American citizen. You were born in Venezuela and what this country means to you. And it was, uh, got the date right here, January of 2006, that's when you became an American citizen. How about this day? What did that mean to you that day? Special. People, they don't know how hard that is. How many people die? How many people open the thing? How many people want to be American? It's a very honor for me to do that. Hey, you're really emotional right now. Why are you so emotional and tearing up out in this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Opportunities, man. Opportunities, opportunity opened the door for me and being great. I've been living in this country for a long time. How about that? That was Ozzie Guillen. I just want to, I just want to address that really quickly. That was baseball player, baseball manager, Ozzie Guillen. Don't lose sight of what it means to be an American. As so many Americans have this, this comes as the U S women's soccer team turned their back on the national anthem today as they faced off against Mexico when a 98-year-old World War II veteran stepped up to the microphone and played the national anthem on harmonica, the U.S. women's soccer team turned their back on it, treating this country like it's a piece of crap. Don't ever lose sight of how blessed you are to be an American. People all over the world would die to come here, 
would kill to come here just to be an American citizen. You have it. Assuming you're in America. I understand we have a big European following now and Canadian following, but if you're an American citizen, appreciate what you have. No, You know what? No matter what, whatever, whatever citizen of whatever nation you have, take pride in your country. Take pride in it. That's a good thing at all times. At all times. Now, a couple things. The headline is this. It's from Fox News. It's impossible for Harry to be trusted, royal sources say. This is all about Prince Harry and, and Harry's falling out with the royal family and blah, 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 blah. I don't care about the royal family at all. I'm like the only American. I don't care about royal weddings. I don't care about the royal family. I don't care about any of this. The only reason I'm bringing this up to you is I'm going to talk to the fellas here for a second. I understand we have a larger than normal average of females in the audience. I have no idea why this show ends up doing so well with females, too. Thrilled that it does. That's not normal for conservative talk radio. But, ladies, great. Step aside for a moment. Need to talk to the fellas. Fellas, hear me out. Every dude in the world has a guy. What kind of guy is he? He's one of his boys who was a dude's dude when he was younger. And then he got linked up with the wrong woman. And in a very short period of time, she has him alienated from all of his friends, from all of his family, from everything that matters to him. This dude was a prince, part of a historic royal family. Gave it all up for a woman. Prince Harry, Prince Harry flew attack helos in Afghanistan. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to join at all. Or if he did, he could have been scrambling eggs or stapling papers somewhere. Chose to put himself in the line of fire. That's really cool to me. No, I want to be out there killing Taliban people. That's who Prince Harry was. A bit of a bad boy. Had a reputation for running around the world, enjoying himself a bit. But look, fellas, how would you act if you were a prince for Pete's sake? And then one woman later hates his brother, hates his family, hates royalty, badmouths them every chance they get, gives up everything. Fellas, I don't care how hot she is. If she's telling you to give up your family, give up your friends, turn around and run the other direction. I promise you there are other ones out there. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Back to your emails. Got a semi-serious question for you. Recently, you spoke on your show about going to meet with Cruz and some of the other politicians and talking about the future of the country. The question I have is, do any of these politicians really understand the dangerous place this country is in right now, or are they just kind of blithely coasting along? Do any of them actually get it, or are they so powerless and neutered that they can't even think about how to actually do something about it? My husband and I are sitting here on a 20-acre homestead worrying about stockpiling supplies and creating a community of like-minded people. I understand you may not be able to really answer this question, but I want to put it out there. Please don't use my name. I really enjoy listening to the show. Thanks. Okay. 
I address tough questions on this show, and I'll address this one here. As I've mentioned before, I'm full of disclosure. Ted Cruz is a friend of mine. I've been to multiple private events for Ted Cruz. I like Ted Cruz a lot. Why? Ted Cruz believes what you and I believe. One, two, all of the worst scumbags in Washington, D.C., Republican and Democrat, hate Ted Cruz. That matters a lot. I don't know whether he's ever going to be president. I understand there are personality things there that may keep that from happening. I'm fully aware of it. I, I get all that. I get all that. So don't don't e- uh, look. You're welcome to email me anything you want, but don't email me. And I don't like Ted Cruz. That's fine. I mean, I don't care. But full disclosure, I know the guy. Allow me to just say this: Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, a few others. They really genuinely believe, and they really do get it. The problem is they are outnumbered. When it comes to things like the House of Representatives and the Senate, here's how it works. It's simply a matter of how big your caucus is. It's one gigantic caucus measuring contest. That's what it is. How many people do you have who will caucus with you On an issue. Oh, Ted Cruz, he wants to cut uh, a trillion dollars from the budget. Oh, that's a problem. How many other senators are joining Ted Cruz? Oh, zero. Okay, well, screw Ted Cruz then. Ignore him. If that conversation turns into, oh, Ted Cruz wants to cut a trillion from the budget. Okay, how many other senators want to do that too? 20. Well, now they have to listen, don't they? The battles we're going to fight in the future when it comes to the right, because I know you're frustrated with the Republican Party. You hear me bag on the Republican Party all the time. The troubles we're going to face in the future are going to be a whole lot easier if we start taking primaries as seriously as we take general elections. And I'm not only pointing fingers at you telling you about all the things you don't do. I do this for a living And I don't get as involved as I should in Republican primaries in my own area and around the country. I try to, but life gets busy. I get distracted. I don't want to deal with it. Same as you. That stuff matters a lot. A lot. You think Mitt Romney's going to take on the communists for you? Yeah, Chris started laughing. Yeah, exactly. Well, unless we start getting more involved in primaries than we have been, you're going to get a lot more Mitt Romneys. You are. And we can't afford that. If, if you like uh, Ted Cruz, or, or maybe if you hit like Rand Paul, or whoever you like, it's in Congress, Mike Lee, whoever the case may be. If you like him, what he needs is reinforcements. He needs reinforcements until they have so many of them, it can't be ignored. Now, the good news is, We've been doing better at that. I mean, all those guys we just listed are still fairly new, but they need reinforcements. They need help. We need to increase the size of the caucus. What are we going to do about it? You and I. Remember, I'm not lecturing. I'm not pointing fingers. I've been lax on this too. What are you and I going to do about it? I am going to do more than I've done before, especially in the midterms coming up, not just in the general election, in primaries. When I get somebody in a primary who I believe in, and there are a couple around the country, they're going to be coming on this show. 
You believe in them after you, after you hear them? Support them. If you don't, forget about it. We have an obligation to do better. We do. The country needs us to do better. The country needs me to do more. The country needs you to do more. So if we're just gonna if we're just gonna run our mouths here, then what good are we doing? This has to be about the United States of America. It simply has to be. Now, speaking of United States of America, I could talk to you all day long about how much I love my my pillow Giza dream sheets. And I do. Everyone knows that. I, it's, it's something I told people before I started telling people that on the radio. I have my pillow pillows. I have my pillow sheets. I have my pillow slippers. I, just, I mean, it's just the best quality stuff in the world. Let's set that aside. Although I do have to mention two for one low price. That's the deal right now on Giza Dream Sheets if you use the promo code JESSE. Two for one low price plus free shipping. Promo code Jesse, mypillow.com, two for one low price, plus free shipping with the promo code Jesse. But hear me out here. Have you seen how they've attacked Mike Lindell at MyPillow? The big box stores won't even carry his products because of how he fights for America. Now, let me ask you something. If you need something, if you need a pillow, if you need sheets, if you need a mattress topper, if you need any of this stuff, are you going to be purposeful with where you spend your money? Or are you going to fund the people who hate the country? I need to be more purposeful. So do you. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials. Two for one low price plus free shipping. MyPillow.com. Don't forget to use the promo code JESSE. The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at (laughs) jessekellyshow.com. Jesse Kelly show and boy oh boy do I have some great news for you you can get back to normal you can get back to normal in your life I mean wait a minute no you can't you can't okay you can't but you can wait you can just get a vaccine oh wait you got the vaccine all right good now uh you need you're probably gonna need a booster shot for the vaccine oh sorry about that what what's that Bob there's a Delta variant? Oh, no. Oh, wait a minute. This mixed messaging out there. This was on the BBC, and I have to tell you, I had to laugh. One, I had to laugh. Two, let's be honest. This accent's kind of hot. We're not currently in that kind of lockdown. We have a lot of freedoms. We, don't, we aren't yet back to the situation where we were before the pandemic, but we're still in a pandemic. Um, the reason we've had to delay the most recent opening is because the government allowed a new variant that was more that was more transmissible, more severe, and more resistant to vaccines to establish itself in this country. So, with with alpha variant, we could have got away with vaccinating most of the population with one dose, which we would have done in June. But now we have to wait till we've got to two doses, and we aren't there yet. So that's the situation. I mean, no one wants to be in this situation, but that's the way it is. And just because we don't like it, well, I, I can't quite see why that means I'll finally everyone else gets sick. I'm going to fully admit here the distract the 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 accent was a bit distracting and I didn't I didn't actually gather in everything she said just then. But setting that aside, that professor wants you to stop whining about lockdowns. The professor who's not going to miss a paycheck. Hey, there's nothing we can do about it. Suck it up. It's a Delta variant. Haven't you heard? There's a Delta variant. We're all going to die. I'm so sick of that garbage. All right, it's the final segment. So as we do on the show, it's time for us to get to headlines 
We didn't get to, and as per usual, there were a lot because I got distracted once or twice on the show. Foxbusiness.com. Suez Canal Authority says deal is reached to free seized vessel. I know I'm a bad person. I still think it's hysterical that a ship got stuck in the Suez Canal and basically screwed up the economy of the entire world because one person screwed it up. Not only is that hilarious, I think it's hilarious. They flat out seized the vessel. Yeah, you can have your ship back when we come to some kind of an agreement. That's the kind of spite that I respect. Headline. Top Biden, this is from freebeacon.com. Top Biden allies worked for a group with close ties to the Communist Party in China. Well, yeah. The Venn diagram of Chinese influence in the Biden crime family is is just one circle. The Biden family? I don't care that he seems like a nice old guy who eats ice cream. The Biden family? They have a lot of ties to China. Really, really ugly ties. You realize Joe Biden's son, Hunter, still has not divested from China? He still has money, lots of it, with a group tied to the commies in a Chinese company. No worry. There's no conflict of interest there. This is FoxNews.com. Moderate Senate Democrats still undecided on Biden's ATF pick, Nomination at risk. This is the problem for Joe Biden because Joe Biden spends all of his time picking out his favorite puddings from the White House kitchen. He's not actually in control of his administration. A bunch of full-blown communists are in control of his administration. So they're putting forth picks like the ATF nominee, this idiot Chipman. This guy is a gun-grabbing lunatic. I don't think we've had an ATF guy that crazy since they went storming in Waco burning people to death. This guy is a nut job, and yet he gets nominated to lead the ATF. That never happens if Joe Biden is a functioning adult. But he's not because the inmates are running the asylum while Joe sits by the fire with a blankie on his lap sucking on a Werther's original. This is NY Post and New York Post, nypost.com. Majority of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of border poll shows. Again, I don't want to be that guy who points a finger at people, but you're shocked about how Joe Biden's handling the border? You're, you're really shocked about how Joe Biden... I mean, it's... I don't know about you. My my watch says it's July 5th. I swore we just had an election in November. Uh, I have the IQ of a bar stool, and I knew Joe Biden's policy because I listened. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. So you're mad now? Why weren't you mad before you walked into the voting booth? Headline from Red State, media embarrasses themselves slobbering all over Biden's ice cream choices in Michigan. I addressed this earlier on the show. This is a coordinated propaganda effort. When you have a half-functioning president and a presidency that has been an unmitigated disaster from start to finish, you you can't do anything but change the story. This whole, what kind of ice cream are you getting, Joe? Oh, that's a cool looking waffle cone. All this is is the media knowing they can't afford to ask tough questions because there aren't good answers out there.
All right. If you missed any part of the show, the whole thing's podcasted. We also dropped my separate history podcast today on the Battle of Kursk. I would highly recommend that. We'll be back tomorrow to have a blast. That's all. Thank you.